Hey everyone, welcome back. You're listening to the sixth episode of our College of Arts and Letters podcast and the first of 2017. I'm Hannah, in case you've forgotten, one of your co-hosts and an intern at the college. And I'm Sam, back after a long time in between our podcast episodes, and I'm also a Cal intern. And I'm Chris Long, the Dean of the College of Arts and Letters. And you're listening to our podcast, The Liberal Arts Endeavor. Each episode throughout the academic year will, year will feature a different liberal arts story within the college. This episode is going to be devoted to Dean Long's initiative, initiatives in the new year and how the college is becoming a more diverse, forward-thinking, and innovative place for students, faculty, staff, and alumni. But first, let's recap what we've all been up to since the last episode, which was over a month ago. Dean Long, you've been everywhere and in between. Yes, that's true. I was I started off the break by going to St. Thomas right after graduation, mm-hmm. headed out the very day of graduation with my family, and we had a great time there. We discovered the joys of snorkeling. Ooh. Both Hannah and Chloe, my daughters, loved snorkeling, and so did my wife, so we, we spent a lot of time underwater oh, just so looking at the fish and floating. Fun. Awesome. Hannah, where'd you go? Um, I went to New York on a networking trip. Um, we It was a fashion retail trip, so we visited places such as Macy's, um, Lord & Taylor, Michael Kors, and uh, had a little bit of free time to explore the city as well, so... It was a great time. Sam, what about you? Well, I went on my third alternative Spartan break, and this time I went to New Orleans to work with Common Ground Relief Organization, and we worked on restoration of Westland wetlands around uh, the New Orleans area. So um, a lot of the wetlands are still kind of devastated from Hurricane Katrina, which was over a decade ago. So we went out and planted trees and like cut down invasive species in the marshes and stuff. So it was really cool. Um, we went down there with with 10 other Spartans and spent the week um, just right in New Orleans, and it was a lot of fun and very, like, impactful, and we took away a lot. Awesome. Did you enjoy beignets? Beignets are so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, we got beignets too many times, so it's okay. I've always wanted to try a beignet. I'm very impressed that you both did very proactive vacations, well, yeah. not vacations, but breaks. Yes. Yeah, no, I think it's important to kind of mix, I don't know, vacation and traveling with uh, something that, you know, you'll actually take out of yeah, it. Yeah, something to benefit from, not just go and kind of spend a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> which we do plenty of anyway. So um, the point of this podcast is to talk about your uh, initiatives, which have kind of been brought out in your newest Longview um blog post, so everyone should be reading the long view, and if you're not, uh, the last one was called Between Beginning and Routine, and it kind of discusses um, cultivating the strategic priorities that you, Dean Long, have set out, and um, we just kind of want to talk to you a little bit about what sparked your interest in first writing the blog, and then, of course, the points it talks about. Well, we, you know, each year we go through this ritual of the new year, and everybody kind of sets their intentions, and does kind of resolutions and all of that. And, you know, one of the things that I try to do in my own life as not only as a dean, but also as a father and as a husband and as an intent of trying to, as a person trying to live an intentional life is, you know, is to ask myself, 
know, am I spending the time, time, my time, my best time, my most intellectually awake time on the things that are most important to me? And it occurred to me as I was trying to craft this post for the, for the blog and for the long view, uh, that this time just after the new year, sort of a couple of weeks into the new year, I was writing it around the 15th of January, was exactly at the time when those, all the hopes that you have for the new year begin to shift into the routine of the, of the year. And it seems to me, and this is what I kind of tried to write in the, in the post, was that, that, that it's important to think about that moment as we bring all of the hopefulness of the new year to our routines and think about how we're going to integrate those hopes into our daily activities and think each day, hopefully, about what we're spending our time thinking about. And that, of course, led me to say, okay, well, as the dean of the College of Arts and Letters, are we as a college, and am I as the dean, spending my time thinking about and working on the things that really will make a difference, will really elevate the reputation of the college and the impact of the college? And so I laid out the kind of five five priorities that we need to stay focused on. And that was partly, as I've said before in other contexts, I need to write things in order to keep myself focused. People will see me bringing my black notebook around and, and taking notes as, as people talk. And, and I do that so I can stay focused. And um, writing has always been a very important part of, of my life. And so I, I thought, OK, let me, let me take some time to, to write this out and, and uh, remind myself and then hopefully others what, what the priorities are, what, the, what we're going to spend our time doing this year. And of course, writing things always makes it much more real. Like for me, right. yeah, my resolution is always like, sit up straighter. And it's like, <laughs> if I don't like actually write things down or, or make specific goals, then it's just not going to happen. So you got to put it into practice. Exactly. And yeah. that's the challenge. And it kind of came out, um, the blog post kind of came out at a time where everyone was kind of feeling weary about their resolutions, like, oh, I haven't really stuck to them. So I feel like it was a piece that even if you weren't a student at the college or involved with the college, like everyone likes to hear about resolutions and plans for the new year. And we as a college have been working on those five plans, sort of in the background of everything. It's not super in the public yet, except for a few of them. So we should talk about all five of them. The first step, should we yeah. list them all? <laughs> yeah. So the first one um, that you've listed was critical diversity in a digital age. So can you kind of talk about what that is and what it is the college is doing around it? Well, Michigan State has l long had strengths in digital humanities. So, and that those strengths really are, go back to the very early days of the digital humanities endeavor, and we have a number of centers and labs around the, around the college and outside of the college, across colleges, and in the libraries here at MSU. So even before I came to MSU, I knew that MSU was a center for digital humanities. What critical diversity in a digital age is, um, is it's an attempt to shape the lens through which we do digital humanities and digital arts in the college. And the way it came about was I made an argument with the provost for resources to support a cluster hire in faculty hiring in what we were calling uh, cultural, culturally engaged digital humanities. And so I sort of put a call out to the faculty and asked for proposals for collaborative cluster hiring around 
culturally engaged uh, digital humanities. And what I got back was a number of very interesting proposals, one of which formulated this idea of critical diversity studies. And really what that means is it sort of brings the all of the capacities for critique that we associated with, with art and with the humanities um, to bear on broader questions of diversity, of questions of race, of gender, ethnicity, and difference. And so the thought was that we could bring these commitments to think critically about diversity into the digital age and into our attempts to make sense of the digital age and to make some to give some account of you know how these digital technologies are impacting our relationship with one another. So you know one of the main things that I think about in in the college is you know how are we embodying the values for which we advocate, and obviously diversity and inclusion is an, is a huge value for the university. It's one of its core values, and so I thought you know you you can't just do that in the abstract. You have to have an academic endeavor behind it. And this was a perfect opportunity to do that. So we have, we're going to do this in two phases. We're going to do the first phase is a phase that is going to involve senior hires, that is hiring three people with tenure, one in English doing literary studies, one in writing rhetoric and American culture doing cultural rhetoric, and one in history, which is outside the College of Arts and Letters in, in the College of Social Science, and they're going to be doing um, digital history. But we're bringing them all together under the rubric of critical diversity in a digital age. Yeah, that seems awesome. I know um, in one of our um, professional writing classes, well, several of them actually, when we're looking at digital rhetoric and you know how what we read influences us, we look at things through the lens of diversity. And I think a lot of professors right now are integrating both of those things to make a more impactful, you know, classroom experience, but then adding in those specific positions that, yep, we are going to focus on critical diversity in everything we do, I think will really just bring out that experience for everyone. Right. And just heighten the learning experience because you can take that into, like you said, three different departments and make it its own. Yeah, absolutely. And and we're going to, so this is phase one. So the idea that we are thinking about here is, you know, we need to think about the structure of support for new faculty members in general, but particularly for faculty members doing work in a kind of leading edge area like this, especially work that's interdisciplinary and, and cuts across multiple genres and kinds of ways of doing scholarship. So the idea is in phase one, we are going to hire senior people who could be mentors for those we hire in phase two, who can both help shape the intellectual vision of what critical diversity in a digital age means, but then also who can be the mentors and the support for, along with our faculty here who are already doing this, many of whom, as you mentioned, are already hard at work doing this kind of work, they can then be support for the for the next phase of uh, cluster, which won't be in those necessarily in those three areas. We're going to make another call for proposals for uh, another round of this. So I'm excited. It's a, it's really going to be an exciting way to uh, to recruit and retain some very innovative uh, faculty members to the college. Awesome. Um, what about our second of the five, the School of Languages? Why now? 
Yes, the School of Languages, why now? Good question. There's some <laughs> faculty members out there asking this why now. This is a good question. So I came in the summer of 2015, and we, and I sort of spent that year listening and trying to sort of look at where there are opportunities for, for strength. Michigan State, uh, as I said about the digital humanities, Michigan State is also very well known for its expertise in languages. And we, we heard that already on the podcast yeah. with, with BVP, and, and we have... Um, a lot of uh, a lot of strengths, but the way it's structured now is we have two departments. One is Romance and Classical Studies, which has Spanish and, and Portuguese and French and Classics and a number of other Romance uh, languages in it. And then we have a department which we 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 uh, call Ling Lang because it has a gigantic name <laughs> because it, it, and its official name is I think let me see if I can even get it right <laughs> linguistics yeah, we'll African Asian Germanic and Slavic languages yes yeah <laughs> yep we're getting the thumbs up <laughs> from our uh, marketing director <laughs> okay, we did good. it <laughs> well so and and of course those units have um, linguistics, has second language studies, which is a very, very um, prominent unit in not only in the college, but internationally. It's recognized as a leader in second language studies. And so in order to elevate the, the role of languages and to situate the languages at the center of the world grant mission at Michigan State, I thought it was important to think about, to ask the faculty to think about what it would look like to pull these two departments into a school of languages. And in order to do that, I said, okay, we're going to really focus on the possibilities here and don't think about, a lot of times people create schools to cut things and to, you know, gain efficiencies. And I do hope we will gain efficiencies, but I asked the faculty to think about how we could be do more collaborative, innovative scholarship across the languages in the structure of the of a language school. And I, I'm really, it's one of the most heartening things that's happened since I've been here is to see the way the faculty has taken uh, ownership of this idea and have has begun to cultivate conversations across the across the two departments and learn so that so that they can really begin to think about well what's possible here. So you know the the plan now is that we had a we had an exploration task force to look at they went and visited other universities other schools of languages and now and then they recommended that yes we should go forward with the school and now we have an action committee that is thinking about and talking about the structure of the school and um, for me what's most important is that we have uh, a structure that will empower our faculty to do innovative, creative, collaborative work, and that will have uh, a platform to be leading educators in languages across the broad spectrum of languages from cultural literature studies to teaching and learning uh, pedagogy around language to language acquisition and really language science because linguistics and SLS, second language studies, that's basically a science. So that's the broad spectrum that we're looking at in the school, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah, it's very exciting. We, we um, As you mentioned, we talk about language acquisition in just about every podcast we've had so far, <laughs> so right. I think it's super important and uh, cool that we're kind of combining forces and just bringing light to how important it is. 
your third point is um, empowering the Center for Interdisciplinarity. <laughs> Got it right the first time. Very nice. <laughs> um, what is this? So the Center for Interdisciplinarity is an idea that also bubbled up from, from the faculty. And it really is, so one thing to, to, to know is that it, anywhere you go, almost all major universities talk about and think about interdisciplinary work. They celebrate that. That's something that is at the center of a lot of what people do. But not everybody thinks about what interdisciplinarity is, what kinds of habits and practices and ways of thinking facilitate it and cultivate it. And so what we're going to do is to try to ground our interdisciplinary activities at Michigan State, which is, again, very well known for interdisciplinary work, to ground that work in a center that does three things. One, first, is, is study what interdisciplinary thinking and practice is. So that's a really uh, exciting subfield of the discipline of philosophy. And so it's a little odd to have an interdisciplinary endeavor in connected so closely to a discipline or what's often thought of as a discipline. But really, philosophy is well positioned to do this because that's what philosophy uh, as a discipline has, has long done. Before there were even more disciplines, philosophy thought about how we think about the world and, and how we talk about the ways of knowing and, and the ways of transforming the world. So uh, the subfield of interdisciplinarity will be, a, will be a focus of study, but then there's also going to be a, a practical dimension to this. We're going to help, uh, we're going to have graduate assistants, uh, uh, graduate fellows in that center, and they're going to they're bring their interdisciplinary projects from across the university to the center, and they're going to be fellows for the year, and then they're going to work on how they're facilitating their interdisciplinary work uh, through the through the um, through what they're learning at the center, and then the third component is, we're going to try to help our 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 major grants that have to write impact statements and tell tell how they're going to put their work into practice. We're going to help flesh that out for them and work with them to 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 create plans that really put the interdisciplinary work into practice in an effective way. So I'm really excited about this. We're we're in the process of searching for the director of the center and they're going to start coming through here in the next few weeks. So it's really exciting. Very exciting. Big things coming oh, to the College right. of Arts and Letters. Another big thing that's already here, one of our favorite parts, is the Citizen Scholars Program. Yes, yeah, Citizen Scholars Program. That's right. Well, we were, we were walking over here, and we walked yeah. right by the John Hannes statue. I know. I've been trying to find the quote so I can <laughs> quote him, but... Can't find it. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I think it's, it's something to the effect that the the one thing that we agree that education should do is is educate good citizens. Yes. This is really part of the core of the Michigan State World Grant Mission, and so I'm really excited about the Citizen Scholars Program. As you say, it is in is already in practice. It's already been uh, implemented, and. The idea here is that students who are majoring or at least have at least one major in the College of Arts and Letters are challenged to aspire to be citizen scholars. And we ask that. So this kind of this notion of accessibility, that's a, a principle of the land grant mm -hmm. mission to make education accessible. So no matter what you do in high school, what credentials you bring, we think you can succeed. 
And that's what we're saying with the Citizen Scholars Program. So come and try out. And if you agree to try out, then we're going to give you an experience in, their, in your first year that's going to be coherent. It's going to be built around the writing course that asks students to do things that are related to citizenship, that put their arts and letters experience and education into practice. And if you perform well enough, then you'll be admitted into the Citizen Scholars Program, and with that will come some resources, $5,000 for <laughs> study abroad or internships, that sort of thing. So there's some incentives. There's some incentives. That's right. And then, and for me, it's a kind of not only incentives, but it's also, you know, support right. because we're going to expect you to bring your education out into the world. We need to support you as you do that. Get that experiential learning. Exactly. <laughs> Hashtag experiential learning. Exactly. Just, uh, just like you guys were doing over break. Yeah. So I think the, so, so once we give those students, admit them into the program and give them the, the experiences that they need to succeed and to put their commitments into practice, then we will ask more of them. So the program is really designed to continually get more, have higher expectations as you go through it, and then have students who are really going to graduate with a... Um, a, a, a deep understanding of what it means to be a citizen and how you can put your commitments into practice. We've already been talking to some of the citizen scholars and they're very excited for the opportunities that this program is allotting to them. I think they're, they're very appreciative of this initiative because it's giving them those opportunities. It gives college a bit of a deeper meaning, I think, because you come in and you have your sights set high you're able to aim and shoot to be a citizen scholar. That's right. Yeah. I mean, if you ever feel depressed about the state of things or how things are going, um, uh, my recommendation is to go, go, as I did at the end of last semester, to uh, one of the classes where the citizen scholars were working and just listen to yeah. what they're doing. It's just so awesome. They are engaged, they're creative, they're thoughtful, they're passionate, they're really committed to putting their values into practice. They, they really believe what I know to be true, which is that education has tremendous transformative power for the good. And, um, and I'm more hopeful than ever when I, uh, when I come out of those classes. That's kind of how I felt after our experiential learning um, podcast, our last one, I just, you kind of think that these are the people that are going out into the world. And it's exciting to know and hear that they already have these big plans for themselves and are ready to do it and put in the work. Absolutely. And in fact, that, that experience um, was shared by me uh, at when I was listening to the podcast because I wasn't on the podcast. So I here I am. I um, listen to you guys on and and I'm I'm shopping in Target. And I'm <laughs> listening. So so you know as as you guys are talking about all these awesome experiences and I'm hearing, you know, the the way in which the students were so beautifully articulating the power of what they were, you know, and how it changed them and, and their vision for themselves. Mm -hmm. I was just, you know, so getting more and more amped up and excited yeah. walking through tar Target, <laughs> just like, yeah, I'm shaking my head. I think people think I was going crazy there. 
Very enthusiastic shopping trip to Tar to Target. <laughs> Target, of course. And last but not least is the Excel Network, something we're both very excited about. Yes, can you tell our listeners what the Excel Network is and uh, the timeline on when it's rolling out? Yeah, so the Excel Network is designed to look holistically at the undergraduate experience and to take some of the experiences that you both are having and to give you a little bit more of a structure and a set of pathways to successfully navigate a path to a meaningful career and a meaningful, fulfilling life. I mean, careers are important, but a liberal arts education is really about about tracking a path toward a meaningful life. What contribution are you going to make? Right, putting meaning towards your career, not just working your life away. Exactly. So we are talking about um, creating um, community, professional communities. And so it's, and it's going to work kind of this way. So coordinating our efforts around experiential learning is probably, it's going to involve a um, experiential learning uh, requirement at the college level, which most of you are already doing, so it's not going to be, a, a, you know, I don't envision it as a as a big overlay and and on on the curriculum, but it's going to give us more more structure to experiential learning. Then it's going to bring together our career education um, unit and our advising unit and our alumni relations unit, because the idea is that could we engage our alums around specific kinds of careers that will enable you all to have a network into which to uh, advance as you graduate. And so I'm very excited about this. It's still in the early stages. We're kind of building out the infrastructure a little bit, and the faculty are going to look at the um, look at what experiential learning is and how this is all going to fit together. Very excited about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I'm as a graduating senior in May, um, finding connections and networks outside of Michigan State is incredibly important, you know, looking for jobs or just experiences. So I think, you know, saying, hey, we have a network, you guys just aren't having the opportunities to be connected with them and then giving them those opportunities. I think it's going to be very helpful. A game all. changer yes. for <laughs> College right. of Arts and Letters And students. then once you guys are out there and making your way, we're going to say, Sam and Hannah, yes. come help <laughs> us bring some more it along the way. It goes both ways. Exactly. And we will be more than happy yes, to. We well, <clears throat> ding, ding, ding. You know what that sound means. It's time for a pop quiz. That's right. Name all of Dean Long's five initiatives in, oh no. Just kidding. You don't have to. But <laughs> we are interested in what initiative you are most looking forward to. So if you want to uh, check us out on Twitter or on Dean Long's blog post, we'd love to see um, what is really resonating with you and what initiative of the five we outlined today you are most looking forward to. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping we can have some some podcasts that drill down into each of these in yeah. some you know significant way. I mean, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is the, and, and you two know this better than anyone being interns in the marketing and communications office, is you can't communicate enough. I had, we were in the faculty meeting uh, last fall, and because I feel like I've been talking about these five things over and over and over again, and we kind of brought them up on the screen, and so many of the faculty hadn't heard about him about them. And it made it clear to me that I needed to, you know, continue to, to talk about them in a su substantive way and, and to drill down into them to recognize that they're, 
they're happening, but they're also, they need to be shaped by the energy mm-hmm. of the community. Right. Yeah. So check us out. Please give us some of your feedback and what you are excited about. And get excited about these things to come. Because I'm excited. Yeah, we all are. <laughs> We're ready. All right. It's about that time again. Let's do our quick acknowledgments. We want to thank our technical producer, Daniel Trago, for doing so much for this podcast. Um, our marketing director, Ryan Kilcoyne, for supporting us. And, of course, the College of Arts and Letters. Check out all of our podcasts, all of the college's podcasts, at cal.msu.edu slash about slash podcasts. And last but not least, the ideas and opinions expressed on this program do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any official entities of Michigan State University. Be sure to tune in in two weeks for an all-new podcast about the amazing and wonderful people within our college. Thanks so much for listening. Stay woke, Spartans.